everybody, this is Rudy Sarson. and you're listening to the Middle Age Metalheads right here, because it's always now. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of the Middle Age Metalheads. As always, I am joined here by John Harden, straight out of Austin, that's in Texas. We got also the Metal Lord, Colin Bosler, straight out of Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Correct. And David Timoney. Yo. Went to us from Philly. And I'm Michael Stamps. And tonight we have like a really special episode dedicated to the legacy of one Ozzy Osbourne. And we're going to spend a great time talking about our favorite memories, favorite songs, favorite albums of that so-called or self-identifying Prince of Darkness that is Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, But before we do that, of course, we have to interrupt the broadcast by doing The Week in Metal. Week in Metal, Week in Metal of conversation for this week in metal we go alphabetical so we start with c for cookie colin oh excellent all right well i'm excited to talk ozzy but before we get to ozzy from my week in metal got a few of my show reviews uh managed to hit a lot since we all were together last right i hit the sonic slam which is the title of the show uh, headlined by Tom Kiefer and his band. And also they had the Faster Pussycats that were there. And <laughs> it's not what they're called. The Faster Pussycats. Was Josie part of the band too? Sadly, no. <laughs> Who, who's doing that? Come on, I'm doing the review. Anyway, and uh, the LA Guns <laughs> were there. The LA Guns. The, the, LA, the, LA, the LA football guns. Did you, ever, did you ever hear the Henry Rollins thing when you first did the Van Halen? That's I just stole from that. So yeah. that's a faster pussycat. Oh, okay. Rollins uh, do it a thing. Let's, I, Let's run with it. Anyway, so I, that was a great show. That was up at Penn's Peak. Um, I'll tell you, I was impressed by Faster Pussycat. I did not... Uh, I expected, you know, decent stuff. They've had a couple of songs along the way, but they were really good. I was surprised. I thought, uh, Michael, hopefully you agree. I thought their energy was strong. I thought they were... What was really nice about them was they were really the, the prototypical opening band. You didn't know a whole lot of stuff, but they got the crowd hyped, and I thought that they were, were solid, and, and I was really impressed by that. Michael, were they the same for you? Again, like we, we saw them at Keswick the week earlier, and yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And that, that's basically where they have always been, is just sort of like, hey, we have like one or two songs that you know, but they're not your favorite song. 
they, you know, so they, <laughs> they, they, they never got into like another stratospheric level like like Poison did. They just they were just kind of like, eh, okay. That's just another another album that you bought maybe and you put into your cassette case. Uh, but uh, again, it was it, I, I was impressed by just again like good good showmanship. They came out raw and live, and they, they put out their songs, and it was like good rock and roll. Right? What the, what the fuck else you want? And, and again, like they tie me down uh, was in good voice, which in, in good shape. So like that's that's always a plus. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, that's that's what the pun is about. Jeez. You, yeah, you yeah, Ricky other... Rackman, who was his roommate, says Tamey. Yeah, I always yeah, thank you. It kills the joke. I thought it, yeah, it, kill, it kills the fucking joke. It's like and, and Rick and uh, the other guy, uh, Eddie Trunk, will always call him Tamey too. And it's like, no, that you're missing the joke, dude. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. On to so the then, LA then, was, then was LA Guns, which I had never seen live before, but I I know some serious LA Guns fans. I know a few folks that really love that band. Really? And, and yeah, I, I know a couple of my buddies that, I mean, they're big LA Guns. Michael's one of them. Like Tears for Fears? Uh, LA Guns is very good. They're another one of those yeah. bands that, like, missed the brass ring, but continues to put out solid music even now. Yeah, yep. and they sound good. Their lead singer yeah. sounds good. The band sounds good. The energy yeah. is strong. It, it was, I was really impressed uh, to see them. And then I thought Tom Kiefer was really solid. I, I thought his voice a little low. You know, knock the octaves down a little bit here and there. He's not he's not Cinderella, Tom Kiefer, but I thought that uh, and his band was really tight. So that was a great show. But What's his uh, set list like, Colin? Oh, it's a it's a lot. He played most of Night Songs, oh, which wow. I really was very happy with. Yeah, because some of those guys, you know, once they break away from the band or that they drop the band moniker, they're like, well, you know what? You're paying to see me. Half my uh, set's going to be solo songs that no, you don't know. No. He played um, maybe, maybe one solo song. The rest was really? all Cinderella. Yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. It was, it, again, like uh, as far as the LA Guns went, as we're calling them now, um, Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns, just again, like smiling with one another and just rocking through the classic songs. And as John sort of like uh, was mentioning, like, they played like a few of their more recent songs, and seriously, anybody who's interested in LA Guns or just interested in like, hey, isn't there really cool like classic metal still out there? It's like, yeah, pick up their last three records that, that they put out, and they are really hot. They're a good listen, um, and, and, and again, it's it, it's always really sort of uh, inspiring and impressive to like see bands who are like putting out uh, some of their in some ways some of their best music like 30 30 plus years in and tom, tom Kiefer was great too you know and yeah he did play like a lot of cinderella songs mixed in like a lot of uh eh, you know uh, night songs and and he did like some long cold winter stuff like he came back with the encore with long cold winter the song you know do like a little blues jam it was great it was a great Sounds show great yeah <laughs> And then uh, the next night, I went to see Sammy Hagar and George Thurgood. Jeez, take a night off, would you, Colin? (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot to do. I'm going to hit a personal record this year. I'm on on pace for 30. Wow. Highest was 20. I'm on pace for 30 this year. So I'm going to blow it out of the water if I I survive. (laughs) If I survive. Uh, But anyway, so then I went to see George Thurgood the next night and Sammy Hagar. And they're both in their 70s. George is 72, Sammy's 74. And I'll tell you what, you couldn't tell. George still had his bravado. 
I had never seen George Thurgood, but I, I was really impressed by his guitar playing. His musicianship was a whole lot better than I thought it was. Honestly, I really did not think he was that strong as a musician. I thought he was more kind of a front man, you know, just sort of a, a sort of a, a like a rhythm guitarist, sort yeah, of like, kind of, yeah, exactly, yeah, just sort of ballroom his, singer. Yeah, like a basic strumming and and you know, but he can play. Those teeth should have told you. <laughs> yeah, he, he could his chops are really strong uh, and his bravado is still he's still kind of the you know talking about chasing the women and drinking the beer and he i was really impressed that at his age he still wants that that's his persona that's who he is and he's yeah, i mean that's that that's that blues lineage man remember seeing those old videos of uh who's your man uh john lee hooker mm-hmm. getting up on stage Oh, funky. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. He was still, George was still doing it. I was like, all right, man. But he was still, it was, and then Sammy was just, he's just a party. Sammy's just an endless party. His voice sounds great. Van Halen stuff, solo stuff. He was autographing things on stage. He was wearing all the goofy hats that people threw him. He was having drinks. Michael Anthony is amazing. Michael Anthony is just, I'll tell you, I, he, every time I see him, he goes up a rung in my ladder of accomplishments as a musician and his and his talent that dude can really sing can really play and he has a lot for being a bass player not many other bass players can hold a candle to the to the presence michael anthony has on the stage the john notes of heavy metal and vic johnson sammy hagar's guitarist is he is so good vic johnson is so good He's covering Jimmy Page. He's cover. He's doing all the Sammy stuff. He's covering Eddie Van Halen. I mean, just he is. I was just he, the dude is talented. He's very quiet in terms of his presence. He doesn't do a lot other than play, but uh, he's he's just so good. And Jason Bonham was on the drums, which I did not expect. So that led into a Led Zeppelin cover. Really? Yeah. Wow. Jason Bonham's, okay. Yeah. Was he wearing that was, stupid hat? So, <clears throat> so it was a circle show. I yes. mean, Jason's like that's the band, right? Yes, like, which was when, interesting because those it, four are together, but they played no circle songs, which was very interesting. No new songs, no, no, no circle songs at all. Mm. It was all Van Halen right. and all Sammy stuff. And, I expected okay. and, and, and no Chicken Foot or anything like no that. No Chicken Foot. Nope. It was all Van Halen and Sammy Hager, which I did not expect. Yeah. And then uh, just the other night, it's not uh, metal, but I saw Kraftwerk, which was one of my favorite electronic bands from. The, well, they're not. They're not metal. Uh, you know, they're an electronic band. Um, I grew up listening to in the '80s, and uh, I I was I was in a Devo kind of electronic phase for a while, <laughs> kind of things. Uh, Tamita and some other guys that played synthesizers in the '80s and things, and uh, that's I finally got a chance to see the uh, the German electronic band Kraftwerk, and they were just it was it was fun, uh, very different vibe, very artistic vibe. Yeah, I saw them down at the Met. Yeah, I saw them down at the Met and fell yeah, stage it's just dive, eighty stage year olds and keyboards. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very strange. Not a whole lot of movement. Uh, no, no, they had robots that they brought for we are the robots on stage and stuff, and they did. But it was it was all cerebral, and it was it was very mes- very hypnotic. Took off very in three D. It was Jason Bonham. Yeah. <laughs> So that was my weekend medal. Was, there we uh, go. It's been, it's been a great, uh, a long great week. week. Yeah, it's dude. been a great week. Dude, it's only th- cool. it's only Wednesday, dude. Get some rest. <laughs> Jeez, man. David, seriously, put in your pants. What you got? Well, you know what? I I the last time we were together was like the Kiss Extravaganza oat drink. Uh oh, there you go. Deep cuts. The deep cuts Kiss Extravaganza episode uh, one nineteen. I didn't get to. I, I, you know, so I, I've, I've actually pulled a, a, the Colin card, and I've been trying to get out to a lot more music, right? So, 
um, as things are popping up, you know, I'm just grabbing tickets and uh, without kind of thinking about my schedule and just like, I want to try to work this out. And a number of weeks ago, oh my, I guess it's a month ago now, I, I caught uh, Exploited and Cro-Mags uh, right here in town at, they call it the FU Church, it's the First Unitarian Church. Um, and it's just the basement hall of this church on 21st and Chestnut. And it was a blast, man. Cro-Mags sounded great. Exploited sounded great. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that. It's just, I wanted to kind of tip my hat to Colin, and, and he's kind of inspired me to just try to get out to see more live music. And I think that the way nice. that I've, the way that I've kind of um, taken away some of the hassle of it, like and I just, I don't really like going out, <laughs> is, is I've kind of stopped trying to like see and experience and document everything, you know, because that's kind of my my part of my hang up is like I want to get there early, get my seat, take some pictures, like see everything, take write down set lists and crap like that. I got these tickets and they were like five bands. I got there literally as the Chromags were hitting the stage. You know, worked my way up to the front. I talked to Harley a little bit when it was over. Got up front for Exploited, jumped around a little bit, and got out of there. I was there for maybe an hour, soup to nuts. I didn't even stay for the whole, uh, to the end of the Exploited set. But anyway, um, getting to my actual weekend medal, I got to see Ace Frehley, uh, courtesy of one Metal Lord Colin Bosler, who accidentally double booked himself and he's like I got these tickets man <laughs> um, and it was up at the Sherman Theater in Stroudsburg which uh, remains a great town to see a band it's a great locale right it's a great uh, venue uh, it reminds me very much of the truck you know big open floor space with a balcony um, the seats were great and um, we stayed in town that night we stayed over I wouldn't recommend the hotel I stayed in and I'll tell you that's a story off here um, <laughs> but uh but you, I mean, I, we skipped the opening band, but Ace was tops. I know, John, you had said he brings a great band with him, and yeah. uh, and you're dead on. You know, they, they, they pulled their weight, they sang some of the songs, but they were note for note. Ace was a little sloppy, but he was Ace. You know, told some funny jokes, um, played some cool riffs and stuff. He opened the set with Rip It Out, and people mm. went absolutely bananas the only song he played that was not on my list was hard times i thought that was a weird choice to slide into the set hard times he also did a little like never in my life good times bad times thing which yeah okay you know if you're gonna play somebody else's tunes you know play the hits um but he threw in some cool stuff man love theme from kiss you know what yeah, you okay. just make out with the person next to you, and then he switches yeah, guitars. He he's not on set during that, right? Like when oh, I saw him switching guitars or getting oxygen. Like I or think getting oxygen. Maybe, from uh, like trip. a break for Ace. Like yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what. I mean, he played Hard Times, Love Theme from Kiss, and then comes back to Strange Ways. I think the drummer sang on that, right? Yeah. Which okay. is kind of a cool, kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> yeah, at Creatures, Peter sang. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but I mean, he cool. did a bunch of kiss stuff, dude. He busted out Detroit Rock City as soon as that started. I'm like, this is ambitious, right? That's you don't like. I don't, I don't even if you're Ace Freely, it's a long song. It's a lot going on. They killed it, right? Um, New York Groove obviously shocked me. He did the guitar solo with the light up thing. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little partial against the guitar thing because now it's like LEDs and smoke. Right. Yeah. I want fire, dude. I want like strings breaking from heat. <laughs> um, you want he, some straight up like yeah. Tommy Thayer stuff, is what you're saying. Uh, Dave's Hello. not looking for a safe and sane no, Fourth of not July. Looking, that's right. Um, he closes out with Cold Gin and Black Diamond, and he did uh, Deuces the Encore. 
They killed okay. it. Um, wow. I, I went up to the front. Bass player was there chatting with some folks. And I was like, yo, man, we're from this podcast. You met John. He's like, yeah, he cornered me in the elevator. I'm like, awesome, dude. <laughs> it's a good dude. So he remembered you. Are you, are you, are you, are you he looks right. like the sexy sax player from um, from that movie. Uh, from, oh, from uh, Lost Boys? From Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I didn't tell him that, but I thought it. <laughs> And uh, I would share with you some of the video, but honestly, every video I took, you can hear me singing along. <laughs> so totally share that, then. Perfect. It's a little, little going to be the intro to the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what well, about we go, your we, week? We, we, go, we go to you. We go alphabetical. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. alphabetical. Because he then. wants extra time. Uh, yeah, no, no, you know, in uh, in the past couple months, we have uh, spent some time talking about Taylor Hawkins and his untimely demise. And uh, I think, you know, when that happened, we spoke about, is this the end of the Foo Fighters? Like, will we see the Foo Fighters again? And it turns out the answer is yes. Uh, the Foo Fighters have organized two concerts that are happening in September to uh, pay tribute to Taylor and... The, the amount of acts that they've gotten together for these shows is just incredible, I, I think. I mean, it, it it really is a testament, one, to Taylor and the fact that so many people want to be a part of something that, that is memorial, uh, memorializing him and, and paying tribute to him. And then two, just the fact that the Foo Fighters are beloved and and that one of their brothers fell and and here's the rock community sort of like you know circling around them uh you know as a shield and it's like you know they're the first show's in london september 3rd and and people they have with them stuart copeland liam gallagher josh homey chrissy hine john paul jones getty lee brian may alex lifeson chris novoselic wolfgang van halen roger taylor I, you've got Queen wow. and you've got Rush both joining, you know, Foo Fighters to play. The, the second show is later on in the month in, in uh, Los Angeles. All of those people I mentioned outside of Liam Gallagher are going to be at that show, too. With the addition of Joan Jett, the addition of Gene Simmons, Nikki Six, Chad Smith, Luke Spiller. Unreal. Just these Unreal. incredible shows. Um they are a fucking nightmare to try and get into. David and I spent like two days yeah. scheming and working to get tickets, and it's just impossible. I thought and you had a ticket, John. Yeah, you know, I've I've got a third party ticket from from a reseller, but the resellers are having problems because the tickets are non-transferable. So oh. it's a it's a whole process of if you're buying a ticket from a reseller. Then on the day, you're going to have to meet someone at the venue and get in. I mean, it's like, it's easier to like fly into Russia at the moment <laughs> than it is to get into the fall on hell. September 27th. So we'll see. I, I mean, I have I have tentative tickets bought with this reseller. Uh, they told me there was a hitch today, but they're looking for new tickets for me. We'll see. I'm going to go out to LA anyway, and I've got stuff to do out there and see some friends, go to Disneyland, do the thing. If I can get into the forum, I'll be there. I would love to. I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine who works in touring and they've worked with uh, the Foo Fighters for a long time, if not their entire career, at least the past 10. And 
you know, they're doing Wembley Stadium in London. That's, I don't even know, 65, 70,000 tickets. It's it's, it's enormous. In LA, they're playing the Forum. And the Forum is 17.5. That's it. So it's like, you know, David and I were talking and it's like a band that size. And I was talking with my buddy too. Like, I was like, why didn't they play Dodger Stadium? Why didn't they play SoFi Arena? Like, they could have sold that out in the same amount of time that it took them to sell they out. Could, they could sell out a week of tickets. They should. 100%. They, could have, they, they literally could have just sold general admission tickets until people stopped buying them and just call it a week. 100%. I, you know, I have seen the Food Fighters play a couple times at the Forum, and I think they might be playing there for sentimental reasons. I think it's a, I think it's a venue that they like. I think it's a uh, I think it's a place where they have good memories with Taylor. And you know that that you know the reason they're not doing a show at Madison Square Garden and one in L.A. and one in London. The Foo Fighters are a Los Angeles band at heart. They all live in the Valley. They all live you know just down the road from the Forum or down the 405 freeway, I guess. But like. Um, Anyway, that's the plan. They are getting together. I, you know, they have already said that these shows, the profits are going to charities that the Hawkins family supported. So the the, the Hawkins family is involved in the planning of these shows with Dave and the Foo Fighters, and they are allotting the money made on these concerts to various charities in, in Taylor's name. My guess is they'll probably do a pay-per-view if not one for london and one in la at least one of them because there's no reason not to there's there's an entire world of foo fighters fans outside of the seventy thousand that have been able to buy tickets jointly for these shows that would love to be a part of it that would love to watch this and love in their own way even if it's from their living room to pay tribute to taylor hawkins my guess is they're just in the early steps. It hasn't been that long since Taylor passed. And just in that time, they've got together these two concerts that are like fucking unbelievable. I mean, they blow, you know, most concerts out of the water. And my guess is they're going to be shared in some way. Yeah. If, yeah, if not a pay-per-view, then some sort of live stream or, you know, whatever it may yeah. be. But I'm my guess is because then I can watch. Yeah, I my you know what I I would if I couldn't get in I would happily give my money to watch this even if they should shoot home. it like live aid like every so often be like we're gonna kick it back over to Wembley Stadium right now with the well the yeah <laughs> except they're a month <laughs> apart <laughs> but yeah that's what I'm saying just you know yeah work that out in in, in post and there, there, uh, there, anyway. there will probably definitely be like again like these smaller venues too maybe like make it a lot uh, more. Uh, uh, effective for them to like do like really good effective you know video coverage of it and uh yeah and i don't know you know they, they put they out have, the dvd they have a wembley dvd they when they played wembley for the first time they played two nights they they you know their management asked them do you guys want to play wembley stadium and they and dave was like uh yeah he's like you think we can sell wembley and they're like let's do it and so they put it on sale and it sold out like in the first 10 minutes or hour and they ended up playing two nights at Wembley Stadium. And so 
There, there's a whole DVD that they recorded when they played Wembley, and uh, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones came out and played with them right. when they were in England. It's they're really amazing shows, and uh, and the Foo Fighters talk about the nervous energy and, and sort of they felt like it was kind of climbing the mountain to be able to play Wembley and and to get that acceptance, especially outside of the U.S. and uh, yeah. So that it makes sense that they're playing that as a special show as well. But uh, you know, it's still we've got uh, three months before the shows, so um, I, I think there's more to come. Yeah, in terms of news on that, <laughs> we shall see. So again, like a, a great testament to Taylor, and again, like yeah, clearly a lot of people are, you know, really still sort of like looking for this this sort of moment this event this uh you know for, especially for the foods just like a transitional moment so that it can probably you know get back on the road and start you know bringing in the rest of the cash register yeah stuff. oh i forgot to mention alanis morissette's playing the la show too which is yeah. pretty cool yeah oh yeah. right he was in her band right? yeah yeah yeah, so that, that, should, that should be great. And, and as far as the Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder, sorry, Eddie, he's still alive. Eddie Van Halen uh, tribute concert thing. Nothing. Like, it's still kind of like crickets. Dude, I mean, it's almost a perfect analogy. It's funny you bring that up because it's like at the drop of a hat, they put this together for Taylor. It hasn't even been long since he passed. And they have these two mega shows where people have gotten together. It's been a year and a half, going on two years since Eddie yeah. passed. Yeah, and so it's, they so haven't it's done shit. Happen. But I mean, that's just the Van Halen way. Of course, they haven't done anything. You know what I mean? Like because they yeah. never did anything. Like I don't know. As as in death as it was in life. Like there you go. And so, no one knows what the fuck's going on. It's like <laughs> so, a, so much unfulfilled potential. Yeah. Crap. All right. Welcome to Middle-Aged Middle-Aged. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. All right. So, like, my my my, uh, my, my topic of uh, the week here uh, concerns, uh, again, like, and this this seems to be, like, part of my theme, too. It either has to do with uh, <laughs> really? uh, celebrity alcohol or it has to do with, like, people um, who kind of, like, don't know how to stay in their lane. And, and in this particular moment that we're in, um, as as a country in in, in our culture, uh, you have the spokesman uh, from a band that you might remember called Stained, uh, and their lead singer Aaron Lewis, who is part of this kind of like culture war bullshit. And and again, like uh, I'm I'm never one to say like you know just you know you know just you know just play guitar, not talk. Just play your music. Don't talk. Don't, you know, we, we talked about like uh, Ted Nugent previously and just sort of like his inappropriateness and also it's just basic sort of like cultural irrev- irrelevance. But, uh, you know, here here during Pride Month, uh, which which is a, an opportunity for, for folks to sort of like really begin to have like uh, open and honest conversations about you know uh, sexuality and diversity um, and, and, and acceptance and, and, and the sort of like consequences of intolerance and, and all the, the the pain and harm that that causes and then you have this uh, this dude just go on this uh, this rant uh, where he is basically just doing like some 
I don't know, like Ron DeSantis sort of like, uh, you know, shilling where he's saying here, and I'll, I'll quote him here as, as he says in this, this one podcast that, uh, that he's uh, a part of. And what he says is, quote, uh, have you seen some of the shit that Disney is responsible for putting into the classrooms of our children? And this is just Disney. Forget about the rest of the factions of it that are just hard pressing, turning our kids' education into indoctrination of their movement, which their movement is as anti-America as you can possibly create in one movement. Every facet of it, the gender thing, the critical race theory thing. This is criminal, what they are doing. Criminal. Every teacher out there that has taught a child anything that's to do with sexual orientation should be in jail. There's laws for grooming on the books. You have no business talking to my children or anybody's children about what uh, about that. Uh, they're not adults, not even close. I can't even believe the argument is up to eight-year-olds. After eight, you're gonna tell you're gonna tell that after eight years old. It's okay for a complete stranger to talk about their sexuality or my child's sexuality with them without me knowing or being there. Is this really what is going on in this fucking country? And he goes on. And this, again, this is a great article from, uh, from MetalSucks.com. And they excoriate this motherfucker. And I, and, and I, and I, I encourage anybody... Who is, who is interested in LGBT plus rights to, to think about like what this particular celebrity mouthpiece of sorts uh, represents at, at this particular time. Uh, again, his cultural relevance, just like Ted Nugent's, is very uh, negligible. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple thoughts here. One, yeah. Dane is fucking garbage. Who cares what, what Aaron Lewis has to say? Like, I don't need right? to say this fucking early 90s alt bullshit. Like, like it, that is a band that no one misses. Like, I, I don't even... He's not even in-stained anymore, right? Now he just does some sort of, like, country... Yeah, it's just, yeah, it just solo stuff. It does kind yeah. of solo stuff. And, and, and he Dude. was so drunk at one show that he played the same song twice. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, when the set list, you know, you only know so many songs. What are you going to do? Like, and then two... Who's asking his opinion? Who fucking cares what Aaron Lewis has to say? Like, he might as well be on a fruit crate on a street corner. Because, like, I, he has as much relevance as that guy on the, on the street corner. Yes, it's a story some metal website can run with. And it's like, it's you know, fill some clicks for the day. But the guy is lost to history and no one's looking for him. No. So it's like... Uh, you know, I don't know. I, th I think I think guys like him and guys like Ted Nugent, who have now relegated themselves to the country fair circuit in the South, they have decided that if they rattle the cage, if if they clang on the can loud enough with some of this bullshit, then that's fine. That's their fan base now. Yeah, their, their their fan base is alt right Trump rallies and going to, to country fairs and shit like this. You think this guy is rolling in to play Madison Square Garden? No, no, no. 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 I mean, no. this is the this is the thing. These guys are, and, in a, and so in that's a, what he does. He, he spouts off and then he sells a couple tickets for five dollars a piece at the fair. Yeah, like these guys okay. are at, a, at that weird point in life 
where they're like, you know, they're, they're a couple hundred feet off the ground where like, they don't really have any friends to talk to about this stuff, but they're not like famous enough to have a, to have a voice, <laughs> right? They're, 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 there's just these islands floating around, you know, and, yeah. and, and nobody cares. And they're just dying for somebody to give a crap what they think about something. You know what well, I mean? And, like, and, and the, the, the problem I, as, as I see it uh, again, and, and I'm not trying to like shit on, you know, people's first amendment rights or whatnot, but like read a fucking book, <laughs> turn off Joe Rogan and so, try to like, like tune into shit because like the, the, the things he he's talking about are like just straight up QAnon. They're just like, they are like some sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like that's a choice. Like I said, I feel like it's like, maybe if, if he sort of swims into that part of the pool, maybe he does find some people there. You know what I mean? It's like, it, obviously the music's not getting it done by itself anymore. No, it's, so. This is like straight, this is straight out of like a wag the dog playbook. Like go cause some trouble. So people give a crap who you are again. Except nobody gives a crap. I, but I, but again, I don't. Even we think are it's, talking about him. I don't, but, well, again, like <laughs> and, and, and I don't, nobody listens. But, but I, but I, I want to take this particular moment to say, like, I, we're talking about him to say, like, this is the sort of shit that you should like be aware of and denounce when people start talking about like horse shit and trying to think that that it's truth. It's sort of like you wouldn't think about like the, you wouldn't have the same sort of like uh, uh, respect for somebody who came up to you in the supermarket you know, with a tinfoil hat talking about how the earth was flat or how about aliens had probed their assholes or stuff, you know, or how like the moon landing didn't happen. All this shit, which, which again, like Aaron Lewis is a way more interesting discussion. It it go, it go, it goes back to like, you know, stranger danger in the fifties. It goes back to, you know, what, what happened with McMartin preschool, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. And it happens with the, you know, what happened with the, the West Memphis three t-shirt that I'm wearing tonight, you know, it's just sort of like it's a satanic panic in all different form, but, uh, and, and thinking about satanic panic stuff, we're going to like switch, a, a little gear here and we're going to get into Prince of darkness. Nice segue. Well done. It's the, the king of segues. Michael. There we go. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Can't find it. Grind it. Michael. Ozzy didn't need to go to some fucking fairground and talk about people's rights. He just like pissed on monuments and ate bats. That's right. My man. He made his own news. <laughs> what he does. That's what he does. Colin, and, uh, why don't why don't you lead us into Ozzy? Yeah, if you don't mind. I, Please. I, was, I was I was hoping to kind of start this conversation oh, because I, absolutely. Because oh, yeah, yeah, I, I grew up in the 70s. So I remember Black Sabbath being on the radio. Yeah, we all grew up in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah, but Colin was born in the late fifties. So <laughs> like, he, he became a, a man in the seventies. He, be, he became a man in the seventies. <laughs> he was already married in the seventies. Exactly, yeah. hanging out with Tommy Aldridge. But anyway, uh, but I remember Black Sabbath being on the radio. I remember Iron Man. I remember Paranoid. So I knew who Black Sabbath was. But as we've already established, Black Sabbath was not my my normal vibe. Back when I was a kid, it was a lot more popish, you know, Kiss and some of the other, uh, you know, more more uh, pop rock bands. Um, so I'm, I, I know who Black Sabbath is, but it's not until I see Lizard of Oz on the shelf in 1981 that I start to take a look at Ozzy Osbourne as a solo album, a solo, excuse me, solo artist. I remember in the store, 
I see this album. There's a chick on the cover. Yes, I'm sorry. I thought it was a woman. <laughs> holding holding across. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's a chick on the cover holding a, a chick cross. Chick loves Jesus. <laughs> and, and again, I knew who Ozzy was. But uh, I don't know. Something about the cover. I was like, that looks pretty badass. He's got a cross. and stuff. So I picked it up. And I'll tell you what. I have been loyal to Ozzy from that. I can honestly say that there are very few bands and, and, and artists that I buy everything that they put out and I have stayed loyal through every phase of his career because I think there's something deeper about Ozzy's lyrics and I think there's something deeper about his music that is, is hard to capture. Most bands don't capture that type of depth. I think Ozzy has a lot of depth to what he does and not to mention who he surrounds himself with. But my first uh, you know, needle drop on Blizzard of Oz I was I was right I was running with it I, as soon as I as soon as I heard what he had brought it does look it, like a chick on this cover he I thought it was I, I thought it was there but you know as soon as I hear like I don't a crazy know. chick <laughs> I mean I don't know a crazy train and I won't I won't pick up we have some picks that we did later for the, for the group to review but uh, you know this whole album is fantastic and it's not Black Sabbath. It's it's a lot livelier. It's a lot deeper in the in the, the crafting of the songs, in my opinion. And I was hooked. So that's that's where I started with Ozzy, and I've never looked back. Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely like a that's a good sort of accounting of like uh, Ozzy's uh, the the impact of his uh, his personality and definitely the imagery that you see on his on his albums. Um, and, and, and of course, we'll, we'll get into like what, what Colin already kind of talked about in terms of like Ozzy songs aren't uh, throwaway songs. It's you know again, he, you know we're going to talk mostly about probably Ozzy's solo uh, career and stuff, and not necessarily discount like the, the ten years that he put in into Sabbath. Uh, basically, as I think universally recognized like the founding fathers of what we uh know and love as, as heavy metal um but uh we'll go to david and david tell us a little bit about like how you got into ozzy or you're you're just sort of like yeah, you, know, you know so i don't know if i ever shared this with you when i was in elementary school we had a, a music teacher who uh, taught us that you could play rock and metal records backwards to hear messages from the devil yep i had one like that and too. uh no, no no i mean he brought the records in and played yes. them backwards nice and told us what they were saying to us and like tried to turn everybody against rock and heavy metal like he brought in led zeppelin and he like analyzed the lyrics to stairway to heaven um, and he told he didn't us that, realize like, that it would have the exact opposite effect. Right. Dude, there were kids. There were kids in my class, dude, in elementary school who were like, they were drawn like the Zoso thing with like a circle and a line through it, and like no to Led Zeppelin. Like they were, he was, he had them, dude. Wow. And um, he told us that like that in the future we would get like the mark of the beast. We get like barcodes on our foreheads and crazy stuff dude he would this, play this, this sounds like uh, grooming going on in elementary yeah, school this but he would um like you, you remember like was aaron lewis elementary? your teacher yeah <laughs> ironic huh? or, or one of your students <laughs> but the, like this guy would like uh he would do like seances on halloween like in music class where he would be like oh let, let me show you this trick and he would take um these tape recorders and he'd play um Sanson dance macabre, you know, and he'd like if you start it, you know, each recording 
seven seconds apart, seven recordings, seconds, seven seconds apart, there's a voice that you can hear, and it was like, play this like crazy sounding music, dude. It would. This guy was bananas, and I swear, if you mention his name to anybody I went to school with, they're like, oh, oh my god, they like freak <laughs> out, dude. That fucking he wound nutter. up like, dude. He wound up like living out in the in the sticks somewhere, and like got arrested for cut like kiting checks and stuff, like all kinds of weird stuff, man. Just, um, just kiting checks, not like mailing pipe bombs to like uh, no, 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 Atlantic but just, you know, any, anyway, anyway, wacky dude, right? So, so jump to, you know, when I, my my exposure to Ozzy outside of Black Sabbath was not until like Diary and um, Speak of the Devil, right? There's a guy up the street, like everybody had like the shirts, you know, the concert shirt, three quarter sleeves. Um, speaking of devil on it and Diary Madman, and most of the dudes who were into that that I knew were like bully types, you know. Like I don't even know how into it they really were, but it was cool, so they were into it, you know. Um, and then I didn't really get into Ozzy until until I started playing guitar because everybody was always talking about uh, Randy Rhodes, and I was never a big Randy Rhodes fan, but like I listened to his music and I paid attention to it and I learned the stuff because. That was what you did, but I wasn't real super into it. Um, but uh, you know, I I like it. You know, I'm still not the hugest fan. Like I like Ozzy. I'm not the hugest fan. I I, I pick and choose. There's some riffs I like. There's some tunes I like. Um, there's some more modern stuff of his that I really get into. Um, but uh, you know, there's, it's not like one record, two records, like you know, top to bottom or whatever that I'm super into. Um, you know, and I mean, I was probably back in circulation with watching TV when the Osbournes came on, like it was on around the house when I was in college and like playing in a band or stuff, you know, like the Osbournes would be on Sharon, you know, right. <laughs> um, and I'm just, I, I just can't believe he's still alive. Nobody, yeah. nobody and I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just like, it's like him, Keith Richards, you know, like you just like, mm-hmm. How are these people still alive? Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, and, and Ozzy himself has said that too. It's like, <laughs> how I, mean, is it I that... say that sometimes about my own self. Don't get me wrong, right? Like we've all we've all uh, lived many lives, and we think ah, if that turned out a different way, and I was dead right now, I can't say I'd be surprised. <laughs> right? I, it's like like why is Bond Scott dead and Ozzy alive? And Ozzy's asked that question himself, or like Keith Moon. It's like he just he, he had like a really interesting sort of like introspective moment. Where it's like I've done all these horrible things and yet I'm yeah. still alive. Yeah, I'm kind of, um, but I'm kind of the the opposite of Colin in that he is very devoted and I am very casual. Um, I, I I'm. I'm, I'm a you know I'm a buffet. I grab yeah. it. Like, and, 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 and I'm going to say like for, for me like Ozzy was sort of like uh, a really interesting table setter for all sorts of like juvenile delinquency in my life and just a whole <laughs> sort of like kind of like what's that? It's like oh you don't know Sense Amelia? It's like okay let's see what this is about. But like yeah, Ozzy was like way drug in more than one way in the sense that in, in, in my little uh what would you call it? like you know like a cul-de-sac uh there in gilroy 
you know, we'd, we'd bring out the boom boxes and stuff. We'd play some Quiet Riot and stuff. But like the kids who were like maybe two or three year old, three years older, they, they'd bring out the tapes and stuff, and they'd put on some Speak of the Devil, or they'd bring out some Diary of a Madman or, or um, um, a Blizzard of Oz. And it's like, whoa, this is this is interesting because you're like you're because of the culture right like kind of like cool kids like introduce you to like stuff that you're new to you're like i like that i'm cool like you right and like i remember like we'd just be playing like we'd just be shooting hoops out in like the and again like if you want to imagine like the cul-de-sacs with like the early sort of like developments of uh of of, of gilas watch et or watch uh you know uh, poltergeist that's basically what like the like what life was for me in the 80s like this is what it means to be like in a new development it's just sort of like and now we're bouncing a ball throwing through a hoop and we're listening to mr crowley like what the fuck is this and do you have more d cells (laughs) and then it's like also ozzy starts showing up on mtv definitely with bark at the moon but i remember before that it was sort of like is a panic Ozzy's going to be live on MTV and he's going to blow up a goat. <laughs> this is, and that was like the sort of thing it was like, that's totally believable to like my 11, 12 year old brain. Like, Ozzy's going to blow up a goat. And how would he do this? But, but, and, and why? But he, and, and again, it was, it was, it's, it was a great show. Uh, definitely a lot of lasers with the inverted cross. And I think Tommy Aldridge was there because of course, Tommy Aldridge. And, right. and then was I disappointed that they didn't blow up a goat? Kinda. But, uh, and, and, and again, to like match your story there, David, as far as the, the whole satanic panic about Ozzy. Um, I had a coach, and I, I, I might have told the story before, but like the coach uh, that we had for PE there at South Valley Junior High in Gilroy did not allow any of us dudes to like wear rock t shirts to like run track or do any of the other like sporting activities that didn't involve cigarettes. <laughs> um, and, he, and he like he explained this to us, Coach Marr did it. You know, and again, like Birdie, who was like one of our, you know, of our age, and he was like also like my little league coach, you know, explained to me, he's like, Ozzy went to South America and he was like working with like all sort of atawaska, the fucking people, and they were like on high drugs and they're like summoning demons, and this is how he, he, he used their powers and he recorded them in the music. So that he could like seduce young kids to do a bunch of satanic things. Like, what kind of satanic things? Like, you don't want to know. It's like, you kind of want to know. And it, no, no, nothing specific. Just sort of like, you know, yeah, like, like you ever that seen was that? his whole thing. You ever seen Where Eagles Dare? Uh, oh, the, oh, the movie with Clint Eastwood yeah. and Richard Burton. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I need you to create some confusion. And and Clint Eastwood goes, Sir, I'm. I'm more confused right now than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and again, uh, like that's uh, right where I'm at right now. And again, you know, for, for, just relax for, and enjoy the monologue. And and, and 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 for for the whole point too, it's like again, like it's like you know, as far as you know, like what David was saying, like you know, it's like this did not confuse us. It's just like, oh, these shirts have power. Oh, 
This makes them cool. Okay, Coach Mar, F you. But like out on the streets, that's where we'll meet. Tighten just, our belts. I just couldn't stop staring at the cover of Speak of the Devil because it just looked like he had jelly in his belt. Yeah, so yeah, we all thought oh, it was jelly. And wolf teeth. <laughs> Real weird. Yeah, yeah and, and, and my, my brother had that shirt, like with the three-quarter T and stuff. Yeah. My, my brother, Dan, he was like, he was the yeah. biggest Dan, Aussie Dan was going to figure into my, my Aussie origin story. Uh, let's, okay. so, that's, that's, that's a good segue there. <laughs> well, You're I just... killing I feel, it on the segues tonight. I feel like I came to Aussie a, a little late in Aussie's career, but like still somewhat early for me because when Aussie was putting out the albums that Colin spoke about, I was still pretty young. Like when Blizzard came out, I was only 10 so or nine. And right, so, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't heading on down, like Mike said, to the TGNY to like pick up a copy of Blizzard of Oz. Like I was playing my Star Wars soundtrack record back then, like our Empire, I guess that year. And as we started to get into hard rock and things like that, Mike and I ha- have talked in the past, Kiss was our band. We, we were little Kiss dorks and we would listen to Kiss and, you know, play our Kiss 8 tracks and, and, and vinyl and things like that. But his older brother, Dan, was an Aussie guy. And like, Dan loves Aussie. His favorite artist ever, Aussie. Aussie posters, Aussie shirts, Aussie albums. And so when we did start coming around to that, we would hear it from Dan. He had all the records and things like that. And so I think the first maybe taster I got into was Bark at the Moon. And then when Ultimate Sin came out, that's when when I really got into Aussie. You know, then <laughs> then I was 15. You know, then then we were going to shows. Then we could go see Aussie. You know, we go 15 years old, go to the Ultimate Sin tour and Metallica's opening. That's like that's a big night. You know, Whoa. and yeah. and became a fan in those years. And and like Colin said, Aussie never left once he got in with me is I've listened to every album since I've gone to every tour as I became an adult Ozzy crossed into my work as well because like one of the first music videos I ever produced was on Ozfest so I got to tour with Ozfest I produced a music video for Ozzy's daughter Kelly I produced a commercial with Sharon so these people that I grew up with were suddenly part of my work life and it's like you know it, when when i worked with kelly ozzy came down to the set and i literally sat in video village watching the shoot go on with ozzy osborne to my right and chatting with him and sharon like that was amazing to me like it, it was you know it, is it was, he just it was, is he just sit back and watch or has he got all kinds of input no, he, he just kind of sat back and watched. Sharon has a lot of input, obviously, because she was also managing Kelly at the time. So, you know, Sharon Sharon was involved from the time we wrote the treatment through the shoot, through post. They had edit notes and things like that. You know, Sharon, I think, gets a, a lot of bad rap for being a quote-unquote bitch or too hard in the industry and things like that. When the fact of the matter is, Sharon is an effective and smart businesswoman. She is, as far as management goes, she is her father's daughter. She fucking kicks ass at what she does. And it's like, you saw what OzFest became. That's through the pure sheer will of Sharon Osborne. It's called OzFest, but Ozzy just is there to perform. Sharon's the one who's running the show. And 
But that being said, I have never had a bad experience with Sharon Osbourne. She she has been polite to me. She's been outright nice, sending us presents after shoots, sending notes along with the presents. She's just a pleasant woman, as far as I've uh, I've you know had in my work life. But that just is on top of loving Ozzy from from the start. So just just having Ozzy come down to set and being part of that was so amazing for me. And you know I I think personally at this point. I think Ozzy's done. I know he has dates that that are scheduled for Europe and and they were rescheduled once for COVID and then rescheduled once he got sick. And I know, you know, sort of the genesis of this episode was that Ozzy just went in for what Sharon has said is an operation that would change the rest of his life, the way he lives the rest of his life. We don't know what that is or how it went, but I think if it went south, we may have heard by now. If it if it was bad, but you know, Ozzy's in his mid seventies. It, it's there is no shame in Ozzy saying, "Thank you for the life you've given me. I hope I've brought joy to your life. Let, let's just enjoy the rest of the time we have together." But you know, I'm not going to be on the road. He has an album that's finished, that's coming out. It's another one of those albums, like Ordinary Man that uh, has plenty of guest stars on it. As we've mentioned before, side two is all Taylor Hawkins. Like Taylor is the drummer on on the Ozzy record to come. I I think if Ozzy still wanted to do something, if if he got restless around the house, he he could continue to make these albums. You can get him into the studio. They can double track him the way they have for the past 50 years. And you get some interesting guitarists around him. It's not like he's sitting there slaving over a notebook writing songs. You know what I mean? It's like they can bring the songs to him and for his fans, great. I'm looking forward to the next Ozzy record. Like, I don't need to see him anymore. I've seen him a bunch solo and with Sabbath and solo again. And, you know, and so I I feel like, like he has had a full career that I've been lucky to enjoy along the way. Exactly, and I and I think that's exactly what what we want to celebrate with this, this particular episode. Just you know, again, like think about like all of the things that Ozzy and all of his sort of like madness has contributed to to the culture and to and, and his influence and and certainly Sharon's sort of influence as well, and sort of like promoting like so many bands, whether whether they're opening bands or putting on festivals. You know, and, and again, just his his particular personality is something also too is uh, you know is just you know just incredibly unique that, that you just you you're not going to get ever again. And again, he is he is like he's dad. He's heavy metal dad. Yeah, he's the first one. Yeah. So let, let, let's get into one. our picks. Let's get into our picks, Dad. Yeah. What? Oh right. <laughs> so. So well, I thought, like we, were, our, I thought like we were gonna do some of his uh, highlights, though. Aren't we gonna do some of the Aussie highlights before we get to the? Text? You know what? We can, but at the same time, I feel like those highlights have been gone over like more than right. than the Ten Commandments. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we we we, the, we could we, we could mix, free to, we could mix free to slide yours in to the, your songs there, Connor. That's right. true. But we do have to like, cover. I don't know. I don't know ground. much about this, but let me tell you about that. 
but let me tell you about when he peed on the Alamo. And, and, like, I, and I would like to say a few things after John uh, was done. First of all, John has never spoken that much in 120 episodes. So nice to hear John <laughs> with, with a nice long <laughs> amount of information. And uh, the second thing was I, I also applaud John having a side two in mind because I don't think there's a side two anymore when things are released. So I thought that was kind of a nice reference. And if you play the Star Wars album backwards, I think Darth, Vader, Darth Vader comes to get you. Yeah, you hear David's teacher. <laughs> there you go. Those are the three things oh, I sat God. with after John's piece. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and also I'd add, like, my, my, my wife, Sharice, she mentioned, too, uh, via text, that, like, uh, a story that I forgot to remember was that... Uh, uh, her older brother was really into Ozzy too, but then he got into like he watched that uh, Geraldo Rivera special and gifted her the tape. It's like it's too satanic for me. I'm not gonna listen to this anymore. Nice. And today, Cherie's still a fan of Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry Rivers. Jerry Rivers. Yeah. But again, like, what, 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 what kind of brotherly action is that? It's like, I'm not going to just destroy this. It's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it in the same house. Yeah. Let me save my soul, but ruin my little sister. Here you go. It's like, and, and also here, here are all, here are all these Playgirl, you know, magazines I've been hoarding. Big night. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into that anymore. Off the rails early. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. has. Not so, early. Hey, hey, we are, hour we are moving into, listen, Ozzy we're moving into a playlist now that we've put together similar to our kiss deep cuts episode but these are not just deep cuts we each picked three there was no criteria no no you can't you can't skip the hits you got to go deep just whatever the three of us felt like adding to the playlist is what we added this week so we've got 12 songs for you what you got david we will have mike count us in as he is wont to do and uh David's track is going to be the first track when we get there. Three, sideways, two, one, play. Oh my gosh! So on I, to believer, on to believer from Diary of a Madman. Now I'm going to tell you, I was never listening to these records. So when I when we started talking about this, I was pouring over the tracks and went and found the deep cuts for me, the ones that were not you know heavily played, the ones that were not singles. Believer, though, is the song that, uh, having heard some of the records like at friends' houses and things, this riff is the riff that I thought was Mr. Crowley, but was not Mr. Crowley. That... The thing that I love about the, the guitar player here, Randy Rhodes, is he came up with these great ideas. I just never thought he was as heavy as he needed to be. Right, Coming out of Black Sabbath, man... How do you go so soft on the guitar? Um, and I'm sure there's people who are like screaming at the at the radio right now saying, he is heavy. He's not. These, these records are super thin for me um, compared to how intense Black Sabbath was. But I think that's the, that's the mark that Ozzy left. He was such a stark comparison to what Black Sabbath was. It really was not a band. It was Ozzy. Um, and this is where, when we have had these conversations about the type of singer Ozzy is, I think he's got a great voice. I think he has a very good range. Um, and in any given song, 
He's on pitch, back before there was pitch correction. His tessitura, that is like the range from low to high, is wider than a lot of other singers at the time. Um, you know, one of my criticisms of, of singers like Bruce Dickinson is that he he does have that really great high voice, but he stays within a very small range of notes when he sings uh, in a given song. Ozzy has this is, great, this is a great pick, David. Yeah, this is a great pick, and you know, like, and 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 again, like, just just in hearing it, it's like th- this is what made the Ozzy Randy sort of like legend, like reality was like. Ozzy's voice, as he was singing here in his solo, is not like what he used to sing like in Sabbath. It, you can go back to the, they maybe they did something to like his voice or something in CBS, but like uh, man, and, and then Randy is just—he's a different kind of player than Tony Iommi. Yeah. He is like he's an LA-based sort of like rock guitarist. Tony Iommi is like a you know. Uh, he, he's he, he's he's a brummy, you yeah. know, like like the stewed in like really, you know, blues era sort of like you know strumming and and and, and riffage, which which is great. But like this this is like a this is like chocolate and peanut butter for me. Yeah, these, these first two records, Colin. What do you what do you think? You you probably remember this one from when you were like just entering college. Well, I, I, I'm not sure if David was done, but again, for me, these songs are complex. I love, I love the song structure. I love how just listen to the guitar and and, and all of the, 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 the. There's a presence of Ozzy's voice. There's a presence of the guitar. There's a presence of the drums, the bass. I just, I love the way they're mixed. I love the, I love the concept of it. It's, it's a little Sabbathy, with a little bit of that sort of background kind of kind of uh, spookiness I guess to it a little bit but there's I just it's such a you can approach Ozzy songs and he's singing to you and I just think there's mm, something about yeah. his voice that's very attractive yeah. he, he, he's, he's got that signature like that signature sound that, that doubled kind of chorus voice sound you know that nobody can get away with him you can't do this double tracked sound and not have somebody say you're trying to sound like Ozzy, right? Yeah. But but and, and just and it, but the thing that not knowing what that meant back in the early '80s, like it just made him seem like so much more menacing. Like it just like what, whatever what he was saying, like oh you should pay a fuck attention to this. It's like there's just something something about this, um, which which again like tapping back into like what Colin. <laughs> was saying too about like you know how Ozzy's songs uh, have like a particular sort of meaning we should probably point out too that Ozzy even back in Black Sabbath days never really wrote his own lyrics right and like all, probably all the great songs no, neither did Getty Lee were probably written by Bob Daisley or somebody else you know, Ozzy does. Oz, Ozzy does contribute like some lyrics, but Ozzy and Sharon do totally like opt people out of their copyrights. Whose song is this? Mine. All right, this is here mine. we go. Come on, this man. is Colin's pick. Just listen to this song. Colin, intro this song. I just, I'm again, 1981. I'm dropping the needle for the first time. This hits. I, I lose my mind. 
I'm like, this is what a what a great straight straightforward metal song. Just a great guitar riff. Ozzy's singing there. I just and it's and he's singing about drinking and he's singing about yeah, baby. Right, exactly. I was just like, and he goes up and he's, he has this echo in his voice. I'm like, this is just badass. I was hooked right at this moment. I thought that this was just a great, great track. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this very this different like guitar sound on this record from Diary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I wish that Diary had this. They're not that raw. Far I no, wish Diary had this same raw sound on the guitar that this record has. It, it, it does. You get, you, but you have to like, you have to go back to the like, like songs as we'll get into. But like, yeah, this this was like one of those songs where like, this is a dangerous song to listen to. Don't listen to this song. Like, what's Ozzy talking about? But like, it was just like, it was just incredibly magnetic. Suicide Solution. God damn. Yep. This is an Aussie tribute song to his friend Bon Scott, who died of alcohol poisoning, or basically was like choking on his own vomit. Um, and Ozzy, of course, is uh, lifelong struggled with uh, his addiction to alcohol. He writes about that even in his late latest record, uh, "Ordinary Man." Um, but uh, clearly, this was a really controversial song too. When uh, you know those of us who went through the late 80s sort of like satanic panic and stuff yeah uh, there's like some dude listened to this song killed himself and like blamed it on ozzy like, i mean this made it into the prmrc right like yeah into um, the discussions absolutely well it was de- it was definitely it was definitely part of it i don't know if it was part of like their dirty yeah. cousin they were because more concerned pre- about like, priest got dogs. called on the carpet at the same time, right? Yeah. Well, that yeah. that would be like in '91, at least the the, the oh okay in the band's case a lot later, the, yeah, yeah. But the the same sort of idea, like you could listen to music and it would hypnotize you, and you would kill yourself. It's like, yeah, I don't. That would that would be awesome. I think it'd be like a great David Cronenberg film. But Colin, tell us more about your pick. I just I love this guitar work. I just love this riff. Like Dude, I said, I can hear your tail wagging from here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to sing. It's just uh, I think Please this don't. is I think this is huge energy. I think it's huge. And if you've ever seen Ozzy in concert, he brings energy to his. The man jumps around like like a leapfrog. Ozzy you know? jumps. He j- Ozzy jumps. He's always up and down, and he's always you know doing this bounce thing, and he's running around, and he's doing his water toss and his water super awkward and, clapping, and his and his, and his clapping that's always offbeat and everything. Yeah, but this is this is the energy on the albums that you know is going to be translated into the shows. He's <clears throat> so, so, so who, who else is in the band here on Blizzard? It's uh, uh, Bob Daisy Baisley and uh, Tommy Aldridge, right? Okay, I believe that's, so, that's, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. And there, there is Don Airy on guitar or on keyboard. Yes. Actually, you know what? On the record, it's Lee Kerslake plays the drums on Blizzard. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Aldrich joins for the tour. Aldrich is they, definitely on Speak of the Devil. But that was like so. That was a weird thing. Remember that there was a time, and I don't know if they if they followed this up. Wasn't the band called the Blizzard of Oz? Wasn't that the plan? I've um, never heard that. That's, Lee Kerslake plays thing. drums on Diary too. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's a good question. I, I want to say I want to say that there's some story about 
the 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 studio band and the touring band. Maybe so. Here we go now. We're into Here's Michael's first pick, track, which is uh, "Flying High Again," which <laughs> is this. This is uh, you know sort of like opening salvo from uh, from Ozzy. This sort of like back in the saddle sort of uh, you know track. You know from the his second uh, you know solo record. This song reminds me of a Van Halen song. It's you know, but it's so great. It's yeah. this is like. Ozzy that you could dance to? <laughs> you totally fucking can. Got, got a little song, swing in there. This is Ozzy LA. This, this song is, is on LA the radio Ozzy. every day. It's on it's heavy rotation so MMR. It's so great. And, but it has like these moments here too where it like gets into like these little his, 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 you know he does like this little you know he, he does his own background vocals as it were. Oh he's awkward. Right? James Taylor did that too. It's, it's amazing. You know, what's, what's interesting? These songs are really long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta I, I, mean, I guess guitar. I've never really noticed it's the like, solos. The, I, I've never put them under the microscope, but it's like so far they're all four minutes, five minutes long. Like, yeah. Most thanks of for them are got the Because you got like forty-five minute solo sections <laughs> in there too. It's you know. Colin picked no more tears for later in the list. I may have mm-hmm. to go make a sandwich. Let's like all the sizzle there. <laughs> there you go. I've got some peanuts. Take, take me one tip while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this song, if you hold, I, I gotta look online, see if there's a version of this that's instrumental. Because there, the, with the the rhythm and the little guitar riff behind the lyrics, like the stops and the drops, it just totally reminds me of like a David Lee Roth tune, right? Okay, yeah. Like, sort of like that. you just see the Steve Vai like throws his hand up in the air like <laughs> you need like David Lee Roth like ow and 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 again like when when you watch Ozzy and Randy do this on stage you, you kind of get a sense like maybe maybe that's not necessarily what it's about but like yeah. sure it, it's it definitely works where every Kiss song is about sex every every Ozzy song is about cocaine. But what's interesting to me is that when you, listen to his, when you listen to his catalog, he's not shy about talking about what he's doing. He's not shy about writing an album that, or a song that he's high or that he's been drinking. or that. But then at the exact op, on the other side of the spectrum, he has a lot of very loving songs. He has a song about his child. He has a song about love. He has a song about his wife. He's got both sides that he's playing. He's playing the, the heartfelt side and he's playing the, the, the partier. And he's not, he's not going to shy away from the party stuff or religion yeah. or politics or shit that pisses him off. No, I think no. you're right. I think you're exactly right, Colin. I, and I think that that's a strength in his writing. Uh, somebody sent me an article today about Alice Cooper and kind of like his range of writing. And it's very similar. Mm-hmm, you know, he's got no bones writing these like... I mean, there's Alice Cooper songs that sound like they could have been written by Air Supply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And oh, sure. And Ozzy's right up there. Like some of his ballads, like they could have been written by a pop band and they'd be big hits. Yeah. Yeah. No. Again, like Ozzy. Yeah. And again, like you listen to like, uh, especially again, as we're still here, kind of in the uh, in the Ozzy Randy it's, it's era. Like three more. Three more minutes. Uh, left this. You know, Ozzy mixes in like a lot of ballads and stuff, like uh, you know, "Say Goodbye to Ro- Romance." You know, there's, there's actually Mama, like, a classic. Home. Classical key song that that's Lemmy wrote that. You know, so there's like there's, right. again, it's like it's it's very diverse. It, you know, there's but it, 
you 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 hit the bangers though. It's sort of like, yes, people's cups are foaming over. Yeah, it's it's a party, you know. And yeah, uh, I mean, twenty-two minutes later, we're on the we're on song number four. <laughs> yeah, flying high. Iron, Iron Maiden fans are like, can we, can we get like? Uh, yeah, can we get a rhyme of the ancient mariner in here by now? So Ooh, I could uh, that song a little longer. I can go get a beverage. I just came back from another show. That'd be sweet. He <laughs> <laughs> just saw the little Caesar playing the greatest hits show. Exactly. He's back awesome. already. <laughs> All right. So what we- who says this, John? This is my number one out of three, Mister Crowley from Blizzard of Oz. It's, it's interesting that. The first four songs, you know, it, these were all our, our number one in our list that we had put. Uh, either Diary of a Madman or Blizzard of Oz. We've only been on two albums so far. Those, that, yeah. Those four. Okay. Um, you know, I think I think the intro to this song plays into that, the, the spooky, you know, that oh, yeah. not only the subject matter of, of Aleister Crowley, but, you know, you get, get these keyboards. You know, you get you get a fog machine going. There's, there's some <laughs> shit. Get, get, get the like mustaches, get some mustaches, and some, yeah, some marble reds. <laughs> but great vocal on this song when when Ozzy does come in, like uh, you know, I do love just, the sound of a big organ. I I actually don't love organs in music, uh, but I think this is appropriate. I think it's a this song should be played in a castle. Yeah, this yeah this 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 is the majestic suck fucking gem of a song, and again like m- m- a lot of those bands like whether it's Deep Purple with John Lord or Ozzy with Don Airy coming out of like Black Sabbath's band, um, or what like Ronnie James Dio would do with uh, with his music. It's like Ronnie James Dio used keyboards all the time to like great effect. Um, we always think it was like sort of like cheesy hair bandy sort of thing like it's part of like the orchestral sound and, and mr crowley creepiest song ever perhaps really <laughs> of which there's that story also right isn't it is it zach wild who he went so like either ozzy came to his house or they were somewhere and there was like a poster of alistair crowley and ozzy's like who's that and he's like dude you've been singing about him for 30 fucking years like what do you mean who's that um yeah yeah it, 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 that, that, i think that, it's a zach story it probably is it, yeah it's, it's actually true i think when 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 ozzy was on tour like he was reading this article about alistair crowley and the same thing it, so the, the, the could have it would, actually both stories could be true because Ozzy could have like forgotten that moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas like, uh, so this this Crowley dude, he's a real person. It's like, yeah, Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, except, so here's the thing: like Crowley would be like any day of the week, be like in an ascot and like a like a like a peacoat looking thing. Yeah. And then, like, you see a picture of him wearing like a like a friggin' headdress or some crap. No, if you you see him, he he's basically fucking Uncle Fester. Yeah, he looks like Arnold Schoenberg. He looks like fucking Uncle Fester. No one does, Colin. Like, oh, okay. stay, like the Uncle Fester reference. Oh yeah, that know. I got. Yeah. Dave's doing the smart thing again. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, yeah. guys. That's all right. But, 
But yeah, like because Ozzy didn't write these lyrics. These, these are again from like Bob Daisley. So like, uh, yeah. So Ozzy's, he, he uh, however deep he is uh, presenting on these songs and stuff. It's like, you know, he's Celine Dioning them. I, I I gotta say though, I I actually assumed in hearing this record and the way it's produced that this was released on Sony, but it's on BMG, right? Which is the uh, Deutsche Gramophone, or not, uh, BMG's at... Uh, this is on German. CBS. CBS? I thought it was BMG. It was on Jet Records, which is a division of BMG. It was on Jet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, either way, this is the, the sound of this record, very thin, is very typical of Sony Records. Sony Records are always super underproduced. I just like when this when this when this song kicks in. It, it reminds me of the Dio stuff. It's like that, that needs to be so much heavier. I don't know. I wouldn't like change the riff. This. No, no, no. I, I you know it, I'm tempted to like download this and like mess around, Re- with remaster it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> that's been done a few I'll times. I'll take it. I just yeah. I, it, it's not loud enough. It's not full enough. You know what I mean? Which I'm sure you, live, you don't usually great. get a fade out on a solo, but there you go. It's right. just like, dude, would you shut up? <laughs> Tighten up your now, bow tie and get out. We're of moving here. into our next four, which we're going to call the Bark at the Moon block, because <laughs> which by the way, I was, I was so impressed that, that yeah, I was so impressed that so much Bark at the Moon made it. Yeah, that works out. So everybody but me, and 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 of course we we. we we, we obviously pay uh, some sort of uh, uh, moment of silence here to like the passing of Randy Rhodes in a ill-fated uh, well, death there on an airplane ride. Uh, <laughs> or we can just skip that. Who picked this, this song? This is my song. This is I was so impressed that somebody I, picked oh, this shit. song. David, you picked this one? Well, uh, let me tell you. My approach to picking songs for this episode was the deep cuts approach, right? Okay. I really like this song. I remember buying this record on purpose with my own money when it came out. Um, a buddy of mine across the street and I were really into metal. You know what I mean? He's the guy who had the Def Leppard. He was really into Def Leppard. His mom was really into Bruce Springsteen. Um, and I was just always looking for like the next heavy thing. And Bark of the Moon had come out. And I listened to this record, you know, straight through. And this song just struck me because I'd already been like at this point in my life I'd already been very into Alice Cooper very into um, David Bowie and like a, a broad range of music and this for me is very reminiscent of the way Alice Cooper would build a record uh, that he would have like a ballad like a legit ballad and that's a good point that's a good point and I really I, I really like this song I, I, this song will pop up in my head every so often and I'll pop it on um, independent yeah. of the hits like Bark of the Moon and things like that. Um, I think he does a really nice job with that. And I, and I think that throughout Ozzy's career, with all of the criticisms and all of like the, you know, the old tropes that they drag out about the Prince of Darkness and all this crap, he does, he's, if you just made a, a, a set list of his ballads, he's got cred there. It'd be very you know, sweet. He's yeah. got and, real and again, cred it, to these ballads. It goes back to like what he all always the way back to about. Black Sabbath. Like 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 all, all these brummies, they like they they grew up as Beatles fans. They grew up as Beatles. Well, you listen fans. to that. What's that? Is that that changes song that the Black Sabbath tune? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So like, what they, a they, great freaking song, man! Like, and we talked yeah, about like, the Kiss stuff when we said let it. When we were talking when I pulled out, let me know as as the 
the Kiss Beatles song. You know, Changes is the Black Sabbath Beatles song. And this song yeah. is his, like, you know, let me just bust out a ballad. It's a great tune. Um, yeah. It's a little dated, right? It's very 80s. Um, but a great song. I mean, everybody plays it the best they can. And, and by very 80s, you mean, like, very awesome? Uh, yes. It's a yeah. little poppy. I mean, I think I think it leans it leans heavy pop the way that the way the Alice Cooper stuff does. You know, well, yeah. like and, Alice and Cooper again, 70s it, stuff is very 70s. His 80s it, stuff is very 80s. It's funny. This shows you where he's gotten to in his career because the the writing credits for Bark at the Moon, all lyrics and music are credited to only Ozzy except for Bark at the Moon, which which which, which credits <laughs> Jakey Lee and Dave. <laughs> Which is which is not the actual that, case, uh, right? Uh, that's Bob, a revision, Bob, though. So the copy Bob, of Bark uh, that Bob I have Bob does not credit Jakey. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you're listening to like the remastered version, then yeah, the, then they just put in like some other studio person doing bass, and, and again, um, that's right. a whole other issue. Yep. Tommy Aldrich on drums on this record. Yeah, Tommy, in, in, in the, the in only the, one came out of retirement. There is only one Tommy Aldrich. No, and also only one Aussie record feature. <laughs> there might be several, as far as we know. But uh, well, I'd like to point out that that none of us lose any any respect for Ozzy when we hear a song like this. The metal community has it's never funny. looked at Ozzy and said, "Oh, you did a song like this? Oh, that's stupid! I can't believe a metal guy would do this." And he does these songs a lot. And, there, and, pe- and, there, and people still respect him. And there was there was a video for this too. I don't know if anybody remembers ever seeing this video. It's I'll really pull it up and see if see if I remember. Seeing it's it. really kind of cute and weird. It's a little Ebenezer Scroogey. Oh, you, were, you were like, well, I'm, I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing. Whose song is this? Back from oh, it's uh, mine. Lee era to uh, some Zach Wild stuff here with no more tears. And who's got this one? Oh, this is this is mine. This is there's a three year break after no rest for the wicked. He takes off three years and he comes back with this. I love the No More Tears album. I think it's got such great songs on it. And listen to Zach's guitar playing in this song. It's low. It's dirty. It's it's dingy and aggressive. And I just love Ozzy's Ozzy's voice on this. Need a minute. You you know what prompted that break? (laughs) Going, why, no, but I, why there was such I, a I just space. assume rehab or some, you know, issue going on with Ozzy would be my yeah. guess. Listen to that. That is in the cellar. pinch harmonics in there. Oh, he always does. But that's down in the basement. He's in the basement playing when everybody yeah. else is up in the studio. Yeah. yeah. But, and I love Ozzy's voice. It's, 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 I don't know. There's something about it that's just creepy, but cool creepy. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they made the transition, right? So, and, and this happens all the time. We talked about the Ace Freely makes the jump from, like, the, the guitar actually on fire to LEDs. Uh, this record marks that changeover from the old-fashioned processing of, of Ozzy's voice to the modern processing of Ozzy's voice. And, you know, so Ozzy steps into the modern era without the, the echo tape delay machine and all that crap. And it's, he is doing what Ozzy does. He, he's not convincing you. He's not inviting you in. He's telling you what's up. Yeah. You know, and... Exactly. And, oh, and, and I think that Zach... I remember, I remember seeing Second, him on tour yeah. this, this, uh, for this particular record. And what was it called? No More no Tours. No More Tours. Yeah. No More Tours. 
But I mean, sure. Zach, Zach, I think tapped into something on this record as well, and that is leaving space in the song for Ozzy to be Ozzy, and that's what Randy Rhodes did. Oh yeah, yeah. Leave a lot of space, and he like he does these killer heavy riffs, and then he just lays out. Yeah, it's it definitely sort of like blues style too. It's it, it sort of like the kind of like guitar, 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 vocals. It, it, it has it has a kind. It, it, it's not what Iomi would do. Iomi would like riff throughout. Um, so it's it's yeah. Again, Colin, I I love this record too. It, yeah, it's a again, huge it record. Like, I mean, oh, it sold you, four million copies at the time. And John, to your point, if you, I, I, no rest for the wicked was you know bleach blonde Ozzy. I think that yeah. must have been the cocaine crew and snorting time. You know, that must have been all that all that. Not, I really think the break was because <laughs> Ozzy was. That, Ozzy that's was a wild incredible. album. There's some crazy shit on there. Oh, like, yeah. and that's what that's Zach's first album, right? He's, yeah, he's, Miracle he's, Man and Crazy oh, Babies. Yeah. Like, yeah. That. I, I, I like love that Crazy Babies was on my list. Yeah, that record's good. It is. It's very solid. But I think. That's when Ozzy was out of control for a well, you know, while. And you I know who's got Lemmy wrote a lot on. I was no just gonna say. Oh, that, he did. Yeah. That's exactly where I was at. Lemmy's yeah. on three songs. He's on four three songs. songs. Four, including the yeah. ballad on this record. Yeah. Yeah, they which were very I, tight. Mama, I'm coming home. At the time, was like probably the oh, biggest on, song on, Ozzy had the, had in 20 years. Hold on, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Ann Wilson to start any minute now. <laughs> I hear the ticket, the ticket up. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great break, though. It is. Yeah, I, you know, Mama, I'm coming home. Went to number two on the mainstream chart. That's amazing. That's, that's wow. huge. Number two. Number two. What was number one? Block. This is when I he should have pissed on know. the Alamo. As soon as that went to number two, he should have just. I got to go to Texas. Yeah. And again, this is what Ozzy, I think, doesn't get enough credit. Listen, listen to the the mood he's building in in the middle of a metal song, in the middle of a hard rock song. We're now in a very nice sort of free flowing, uh, you know, ethereal kind of vibe in the middle of something that we were just shredding on. I think that's right. fantastic. But, but what, I'm not listen. Plan, I didn't I, plan I, I, on this. I didn't plan on this, but I'm going to invoke for the final Sabbath, time. I'm going to give, like, you have to imagine, like, he picks good, good musicians. He surrounds himself. Randy Castillo on drums. Yeah. You've got Zach Wilde. Is this still Phil, Phil Susan on, on bass? Uh, on the no. record, it was Daisley. I don't know about live. Okay. I don't, I don't know if Daisley, again, like, Geezer even comes back at some point too. We saw like, Tucson on Ultimate Sin, and I'm not yeah. sure who who played like, the uh, the next tour. Ozzy plays harmonica. Ozzy doesn't do soundscapes. Ozzy, but like again, you know, so like you have to, you, all. I think the downfall. Like all the other members of the band too. The downfall of this record, and honestly, Ultimate Sin is the keyboard sound. Yeah, like, that's the like, thing that really. That's, that's really good. Like sometimes I don't like. Uh, tortilla chips nah but it it's like, like that's Doritos the... but like I love Doritos sometimes nah too. but these are the things that when you listen to a record the things that date the record stand out and I think it's yeah. the, the keyboard sound that I don't know but that's, that, that's... in retrospect I may have pushed for like a more a more straightforward sound this one yeah. sounds uh, well, this this is uh, I think this is from 1990 eh 1991 1991. Okay, so David, what were you going to invoke for the last time? 
for the last time, I'm going to invoke the name Alice Cooper. I think that those kinds of like thoughtful and uh, kind of emotive sections of songs are very... That's Alice Cooper's world. And I'm not saying that they own it and that nobody can do it. But I think that that inspiration of like, hey, let's throw this break in there um, is very inspired by Alice Cooper. Um, Ozzy, after this record, doesn't do much of it. Um, he's far more likely to, to make that a whole other song these days. Um, but at the same time, as, as I'm processing through this, it's also a very old school Black Sabbath thing to do. When you think of like Nativity in Black and Angels Wear, you know, Fairies with Boots or whatever. Um, so uh, there's a lot of give and take. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't think he's necessarily alone in that. But I think that uh, somebody like Alice Cooper did it a little better. Um, but somewhere in between the two lies the truth. John, who, who produced uh, this record, uh, No More Tears? Uh, Dwayne Barron. Okay, okay. Nobody. Not, 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 not yeah, a name know. that I'm like associated with anything else. Me he, doesn't, he doesn't even have a link. He doesn't even have a link in, in Wikipedia. <laughs> you don't even have a link? <laughs> the, co- the co-producer has a link. Michael's John next Perdell. track. John Perdell. Whatever the heck that is. All right, so we're going we're going back into the the post Randy Rhodes era uh, with uh, the other guitar wonderkind uh, Jake E Lee, <clears throat> previously known from his work with a little band in L.A. called Mickey Rat, and this is a song, David. I, I know you were like saying like how like all the the keyboards and stuff made you kind of a little gross. Check it out. J.P. Lee. The intro to this song sounds like uh, music that would be playing under like an HBO serial killer thriller from like 1982. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, it it, it yeah, is it like does. it is like a great creepy. Look song. at that guy driving; yeah. he's gonna hurt somebody. How did Brian DePaula not snap this up? Like, <laughs> I I, it, it, I, I want to say it's like the last the, 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 cu- the chase scene that got cut out of. Uh, <laughs> it, but it, 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 so what, like what's a, the Travolta movie that shot in Philly with John Lithgow? Blowout. Blowout. Blowout, yeah. yeah. It's the chase scene on, on Lincoln Drive. Yeah. That guy's gonna kill somebody. But it, this this is a song that always like kind of like gave me like chills and stuff because like it was just sort of like it was it's high powered but like they don't have like these really chill creepy moments which were like keyboard laden and stuff. So it's and, a great vocal. It's man. a cool cadence on this. It's different oh, yeah. than a lot of Ozzy songs. And it's, it's, it has like a really great sort of like rhythm vibe to it. It's like, and you can, this is the, this is the part of the record that Jakey Lee's like, you know, I wrote that. He wrote most of the record. He <laughs> yeah. tells everybody. He, he gets no credit. And it's like some of this stuff, you're like, dude, that's Ozzy. It just sounds like Ozzy. Sounds like Ozzy. This record, completely not Ozzy. Yeah. It's, again. We'll say this, like, is, this is guitar-driven rock. This is Jakey Lee. Probably is. Like if, Jakey, if, this is this is Jakey Lee's um, Four Horsemen. He's like, I got another song, different lyrics, different melody. It's on my first record. You'll love yeah. it. Yeah, and we're we're gonna call it the Mechanics. It's like, Mechanics. no, that's still the same song, but like, just turn it into something shitty. Go for it, Dave. I mean, Ozzy, Ozzy stumbles into a fantastic guitarist right away. This is only yeah. two years after Diary. 
right? Yeah. About a year after Randy Bassett. Well, yeah, they, they, they had the transition period. Well, Brad Gillis, Brad is the, Gillis, he's the rebound right. lover, right? They, they, I mean, they, they, he they, served they, his purpose. And we, we have to remember that, like, uh, speak of the moon, speak of the moon, what? speak, speak of, of the moon. devil was, uh, was, drink. A, was a double record. And they somehow figured out with CBS, like, that was like complete Aussie's sort of contractual agreement. And then, you know, so it was like, it was a good gap filler again, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's no way, there's no way in hell Brad Gillis was sticking around for another record. He was literally the rebound love. You know what I mean? Like, you just, yeah. I just need somebody to do the tour and then go away. Go find some other band that sucks and nobody likes and never gets a top hit ever for the rest of your life. Oh, Night Ranger? Okay, fine. One now, they didn't yeah. up it. They did. That's, that was the joke. What I also additionally <laughs> like about you, the David. song is like the weird sort of like background vocals that go, it's just like, it just takes you back to like uh, Emma Daughter's, you know. Uh, Again with Emma Daughter? I'm going to put that yeah, in the love Emma Daughter, man. That's sort they of like the kiss stuff the right there. Whoa. Go back to like the, the soggy bottom. Like you got hand there. Kiss should be a song? sip. Emmett Otter should be a chug. Damn. Sorry. Beer bombs for Emmett Otter. <laughs> <laughs> that's your next t-shirt. Beer bombs <laughs> for Emmett Otter. Go, I go back to that stuff. It's like that's essential stuff. You go back to that band. Emmett Otter through Jug Down Christmas. is like, whoa. They are so awesome. Uh, that's next list. Like boy. all these other bands steal everything from them. True. Or, or that's what Jerry Rivers told me. Yeah. I love the crescendo of this song at the end. Really good. Oh man, it's a shivery song. And again, it, 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 it's, of, the, of the of the songs we've heard so far, no offense, Michael. This is my first clunker. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, think I, I like the song. It does sound dated. I just feel like I'm going to It's definitely a product of this time. I like, I like the dated thing, though. Yeah. I like 1985. Sure. 85? Yeah, that's what I'm I was saying. 13, dude. 83. Yeah, so 83 is part of oh, well, Dude, yeah. I was 11. I was in fifth grade. I missed Robert's. 81 was Blizzard. 82 okay, was Okay, yeah, 83. I'm sorry, yeah. He was doing one a year. Who's this? This is me rounding out our Bark at the Moon sweep with the title track from Bark at the Moon. It's a good track, man. It really is, and they and like I mentioned earlier, you know, this was this was sort of my first little nibble uh, into into Ozzy, and you know, hearing hearing it blast out of Dan's boombox in the in the room next door while Mike and I are making our kiss tapes, uh, <laughs> you know, I I. Uh, you know, Mike mentioned Jakey Lee. I love Jakey Lee. Yeah, and, and I know he gets overshadowed by Randy, but I think I and I know uh, this this is an affront to Colin and his license plate. But I <laughs> I truly wish that Jake would have been his permanent guy. Like starting, oh, I could have lived, lived with that. That's starting from Bark at the Moon. He on. was already just, committed to Ozzy at this point in his life. <laughs> he just didn't. He just didn't know um, he had second love. And 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 Jake may be cemented also because, like I said, you know when when we got into Ozzy and we, it's like it's sort of like who's your James Bond? Like you know what I mean? When Roger I started Moore? when I started enjoying Ozzy, oh, I thought you were asking Jakey Lee. But no, but Roger Moore is the perfect example. It's like is Sean Connery better? 
Yeah, he maybe, is. Maybe. But he wasn't James Bond when you started. And so, right. same thing. Is Randy Rhodes a better guitarist? Yeah. No. I think he might be. He's dead. But, obviously. But, uh, when I started liking Ozzy, Jake was the guitarist. And, you know, we went we went to that Ultimate Sin tour. Jake was really entertaining. And I think... The, I think the pinch would... harmonics in this section are better than Zach Wilde's pinch harmonics. Well, there's less of that. It's more sparingly. Not not right there, every dude. not every male needs that much salt. Yeah. That's the face I'm like, making. <laughs> every bar does. Make your pinch face. Make your pinch face. But Johnny, right like, again? Like I, I for, for me, I, I think because like you know we, we grew up, you know, Randy was already dead when we were like getting into Ozzy again. Like I think you know the, the album that had just come out like i remember like a guy like taking off the crinkle cover of the the cassette the double cassette of like speak of the devil and it's like double cassette okay yeah it was a double had cassette. two price tags on it in the store yeah they're like they're it's like not 11.99 they were like double stack that's, that's 23.98 remember like they would double stack them yeah yeah, I got yeah. You. yeah. and so you get like two cassettes dude god forbid you got him from tower pricing out the aussie dude, double cassette. god forbid you got the love cassette you. that had the two that had the two clear parts attached and just the black part moved oh yeah screw those people yeah, and uh, but again, like yes, yeah, so it's like Jakey Lee, Mark <laughs> Great Solo. Like that this is like definitely like kind of like, and then then this is MTV Ozzy too. This 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 song, Mark at the Moon, definitely had a video that played a lot, a lot yep. alongside Def Leppard, a lot alongside uh, Motley Crue, uh, Judas Priest. Uh, Juice Priest was didn't really have like any videos at this point except for like live performance stuff, but like, but it was definitely like part of the scene um, and, and, and all the music magazines and stuff where you know you could like read the lyrics or you can just you know get like, all sorts of like really cool information about like who's in the band oh. and learn more about Ozzy too it's kind of like it was so it was it, that was an interesting time and you know the fact that uh, you know we weren't born like three or four years earlier um, it makes that all makes all the difference but Another yeah, tasty you, outro when, solo. Dude, when this video came on, on MTV, like the big break in the beginning, that freaking white Charvel with the black pickguard. I hate guitars with pickguards, but every so often I'm like, I want I want that guitar. <laughs> then, I, then I look but at it like online. Like when CC was tempting you with his, I'll, I'll, with also, his green uh, BC Rich. I almost that. forgot to mention, who's, who's the drummer in the video, if not on the album? Hold on. The drummer for Bark on the at the album, Moon? The Bark at the Moon? Tommy Aldridge. Video Tommy is, Aldridge. Drummer in the video is Carmen I.P. Carmen I.P. Ah. Apiche. Ah. Carmen. Tommy was on the recording. The Big Ragu. We're the back to Carmen. The Big Ragu. The Big Ragu. This is me. I'll do next one. This is Dave. This is me. Yeah, dude. I picked up Diary of Madman. This was a single from this record, but nobody nobody listened to it. Um, it was like the first track on the second side. Um... It's got a lot going for it, dude. It's super heavy. It's the heaviest. It's probably the heaviest track on this record, right? Best riffs. Um, honestly, I mean, I feel like this is the record. Uh, this is the recording where Randy Rhodes really digs in. At the window, 
Um, this is the last song on the album, isn't it? Is it? I thought it was the first I'm pretty song sure on the second it is. side. Yeah, right, it's I'll not. Check. I'm gonna throw yeah, it this, this, this is like another menacing closer of a song. Yeah, either way, either way. It's got some goofy time signatures. Now, I, I did some looking into this. I, I had never heard this before. Some people were like, oh, Randy wrote it, and it's like. It's like this Carmina Burana inspired, you know, like O Fortuna stuff. I don't know nothing about that. It's got like a couple of it's it's like four on the front, four on the back, and then two threes in the middle. So if you're counting it out, it's like four, three, three, four. Um, it's neat. It, it's just enough, right? When you think about it from like uh, compositional mechanisms, it, it the off time kind of lends itself to this madman idea, right? Ozzy pulls it off perfectly. You know, you hear these bands who do off-meter tracks, and it just sounds so deliberate, right? It gets really out of place. Um, they can put all the emphasis on the on the offbeats and stuff. The, the the drummer plays straight through it. Ozzy sings straight through it, and it actually flows really, really well. It's essentially there's parts of this tune that are a freaking waltz. Yeah, right? it's, it's a very like, classic sound, classical it's, rather. It's really, it's really a well done tune, and and uh, I I bring that up specifically. Clearly, Randy came from a school of music. His parents were music teachers. He was a music teacher. You've got, but you've got doofuses like freaking Ozzy, who makes it all sound effortless. And I think that that's a credit to his ability to tell his story, to sing the songs without sounding really awkward in what is a very complex piece of music. For metal, at least. Yeah, this is a great pick, David, because again, like this this song always felt a little sort of like, uh, there is definitely something almost intentionally disorienting about the rhythm of the song, which makes it feel like you're almost sort of like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like you're like, like moshing <clears throat> moshing on an <laughs> incline or something it's just sort yeah, of like yeah. there's something uneven about it yeah well in that in that main section it's like one two three four one two three one two three one two three four and then it goes into like a straight like one two three one two three one two three. and you're like you know what that's cool like it, 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 you want to be like that fly on the wall when they're working this out in rehearsal where they're like uh what yeah, like why, why? Why do it this way? Why can't we just do four on the floor and just but do I, this? Just, just no, do. I mean, I, I think it's a. There is music, um, and and I'm a victim of this, like anybody else, right? People come over to your house and you put on music that's just background music, right? You put it on party music, and then there's other music you put on, and it ruins the party because it's the kind of music that demands to be listened to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like people come over and you throw on your metal playlist or whatever and you just hang out and you drink and you have fun and every so often a song comes on and people are like hey awesome song but you put on like ghost and even nowadays ghost people are constantly like nudging each other hey yo listen to this part listen to this part listen to this part everybody shut up listen to this part (laughs) and it's like this is a song wait a second wait a second is this is this a thing where there's parties where people are listening to ghost imagine being at a party and this song comes on all the conversation stops because this song, this is a song that needs to be listened to. It's not background music. And it's ghost. And it's a, no, this song that we're listening to right now, Diary of a Madman. It's it's like if you came over to my house, I put on I put on Charlie Parker, and we all just have fun drinking and partying. But I put on Charlie Mingus, and all of a sudden the conversation starts. We're all listening to music. Okay, yeah, that's okay, the thing. So I, I get that analogy. Thank I get, you. I get okay, that then analogy. just drop the rest. Sure. Just drop the rest. 
<laughs> this song demands to be listened to, as opposed yeah, to the other no, this, songs this, on this, this record is sort that are of just like, metal songs. This, this is the chill room sort of song, where it's like, oh, yeah. let's all now, you know. Yeah, somebody's like coming over and they're like, hey, Mike, I, I really just wanted to make out with my girl. Could, <laughs> could, you, put, could you put Blue Cheer back on? <laughs> cheer? Interesting reference. Thank you. Why not Vanilla Fudge? Carmine a piece. Get back the big ragu. Nice. A beat jack. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did I pick again, the like second with, longest with, song on the playlist? Pretty fucking long, yes. right? <laughs> and, and again, wow. like, with with all of the. the so if I could just say a little more about it. The Gregorian <laughs> chant vocals going on. It's 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 epic. It's it's epic in scope. It's it's like a, it's incredibly thoughtful shit. It's the all I want. You know what I want? I want one thing. I want to be in the same room when Joey Mahoney's listening to this and singing along. That's all. Okay. I should have had him here. I, I, I would like that, too. Oh, you know what? Since we're killing a couple of minutes with the rest of this song, can I tell you? The song's <laughs> over. Crap. All right, I'll tell you later. There'll be another one. My song. Here, here's one right now. Oh, come on. This is a great song. What, but we got a couple minutes in the end. <laughs> okay. David's going to bring up Alice Cooper again. I'm not. I can already hear it. I'm going to bring up Kiss. There we go. This is 20 years after his first solo album came out. Holy hell. What is this? 20 years. This is, I, I, this is a deep down to earth. Little Caesar. <laughs> I picked it because I think it is one of the one of the prettiest, most melodic songs he's ever done. Really? Very singable, very approachable. Not um, about him not, dying. Uh, not uh, close my eyes forever. No. Not uh, Mama, I'm coming home. I think it, I think it ranks up there with Mama, I'm coming home. And all right, let me, I'm going to give it a minute. Okay. Just a minute, and okay. then I'm going to tell you about Kiss. Uh, <laughs> When they met Alice Cooper, <laughs> because to me it's about his mortality. Well, he just got like a second liver. He should be good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of his songs going back to Black Sabbath are kind of about that sort of thing. But he really yeah. thought he'd be dead at this point, right? It's all ex- all icing and gravy at this point. You, you, we, we we all know There's that. Like ahead, among Mike. Ozzy's like most iconic. Uh, uh, tattoos are the ones that he like had put on his knees of smiley faces so like when he's ever sitting on the toilet you could see smiley faces okay it's basically like little smiles with eyes like just it's like three lines it's like really all right that's that's what he was thinking like if i should have gotten moved the crapper every morning and look at my knees and go Smile, Ozzy. That's his secret to success. This is a good pick, Colin. It's a good. It's not a bad song. I can't, I can't say I've, this I've album features heard this future one Metallica with regular Trujillo. There you go. What record's this on? Down, Down to Earth. Down, Down to Earth. Earth. Yep. Two thousand one. Not enough pinch harmonics for my taste, but uh, <laughs> he's a little bit of. So I, I just w- think it's a really, really pretty tune. I think it's it's just you know a why nice there's song. no pinch actually because Zach knows Zach write Wilde. any of this. No, Zach plays on it, but he didn't write any yeah. of the any of the songs. Ah, that's right. Now. He's just drinking and playing. Right. So this uh, buddy of mine, uh, a listener, 
my buddy Brendan, he shoots me a note. He, first of all, he sends us thanks for endorsing Lick It Up, uh, saying it's a great record, but uh, also mentioned <laughs> I literally looked at my phone and laughed because he said that the cover of Lick It Up looks like a J.C. Penny uh, catalog picture. <laughs> <laughs> spring, spring back to school with the boys. <laughs> back to school fashion. Have your tongue straight the fuck out of your mouth. That's Paul. Again, that's that. Hey, dude, Vinny uh, Vincent looks like he, all he needs is a backpack and a kiss from mom. That, that, that's a Mark Weiss shot, though, right? Did he shoot uh, it? I mean, yeah, maybe yeah, so. I think, he, I think he shot that one too. And like among all the shots they took, they took, they took, they took. They're like, Gene, stick out the tongue. And then it's like, yeah, that's the one. I don't know how he does that. Every time I stick my tongue out that far, the, the little frenulum at the bottom of my tongue gets a little cut between my teeth there. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know. Do that Maybe you're just, you're not, you're not a rock star like Gene Simmons. Well, clearly. I'd also like to point out, this is 30 plus years since Sabbath premiered and, and Ozzy's voice in this album is still strong I, I, I'm always impressed how solid Ozzy's voice it doesn't sound over processed um, on this record and uh, it does it sound very powerful you know like we had talked about how Def Leppard in some of these live performances Joe Elliott is on pitch he's like he looks great but he's definitely you know he's not singing full voice you know they're they're compressing that voice really hard to get it to come out front have you uh, checked out Def Leppard Radio on Sirius XM? I, I don't listen to the radio, Colin. Oh, okay. Well, if you listen or to any, Sirius or XM, anything. There's, a, there's a Def Leppard station. It's decent stuff, but they play yeah. some, some live things that, quite honestly, don't sound very good. But I agree with you that in concerts, they still sound very strong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a choice. I mean, I, I, I get this a lot whenever I record. I'm like, I want to go full voice, and I'm getting old, dude. It's like, I can't keep it up, man. Again, like there, there's some more like weird breaks here. Like again, the, David wants to accredit to uh, 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 Alice Cooper, but like these are all Beatle breaks. These are all Beatle. These, these are all George Martin breaks. Like, yeah, the, like listening to the songs. Like, yeah, it, it, it's like that's this is what Ozzy does. This is what Ozzy loves. This is what's great about Ozzy. Who picked this song? The, Colin picked this song. No, the no, next one. This this song under the grave, Michael. Comes to so this this comes from Ozzy's most recent record, uh, "Ordinary Man," that came out. Oh. I, I want to say like a couple years ago. So uh, yeah, just dig into this and, and definitely check out the video. The video is sort of like a biopic of Ozzy's sort of like fucked up transition from like being dumped from like Black Sabbath to like figuring out how how Sharon would save him. It's, uh, Every time I hear the title of this, I I, I want to say it's got a cover of the um, of the Neil Diamond song on it, but that's Solitary Man. Uh, that's a Johnny Cash song. It's a Neil Neil Diamond wrote that, dude. Um, well, we'll talk about this later, but like <laughs> <laughs> Neil Diamond gets no love. Neil should get love. He's a good guy. Write some great songs. So again, to like come back to Colin's theme, like this, like this this song is basically again like Ozzy like revisiting like, oh shit, my mortality. And it, 
this song like it, it, it has like all the same sort of like energy and power but it's like you can hear it in the music too where it's a little the guitar is different it's a little more if, if it were a different artist like five finger death punch you would just sort of like swipe left on that shit but like Ozzy's bringing like his, his basic sort of authentic pain, his authentic in- introspection and stuff. Uh, it, when and if he wrote the lyrics, but like it seems like a lot of the lyrics that he wrote on this record were credited to him. Good choice, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Tom. But uh, yeah, and, and again, like the, the video is really good. It has like a lot of really cool interstitials where like it breaks away from the song. And it has like sort of like reality TV sort of like actors, you know, uh, interpreting like, or, you know, like what, what Sharon was feeling at the time or what Ozzy was feeling at the time. It, it, it's really sweet and dark and kind of scary too, but awesome. Under the graveyard were all the rotting bones. Like, Could you imagine halfway through? Can you imagine like the day you realize holy crap we shouldn't have had all these cameras in our house (laughs) right like like a little more than a year ago i had all these contractors here and they would show up every morning and like set up do crap it was torture man yeah well but they didn't imagine instead of like hammers they had cameras and they were like up in my face i'd be like tell john i need another sandwich (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah, so again, I mean, like, we, we talked about it earlier these songs feel so long yeah, yeah but I, I never play noticed them? it That's does because he play we're them stoned. in their entirety uh, live oh yeah, yeah. 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 Kind of yeah. Was, it, was it was it the edible that I took that makes these songs seem long no <laughs> it's time it's time time makes these songs seem long who the hell is this? It's pretty it's like, bad, right? I, I had to look it up, David. This is uh, Andrew Watt. Who? Exactly. <laughs> Andrew Watt played <laughs> guitar on track Dude, two made his and bones four and through ten on this record. Oh, I mean, I if you know. look, if you go to the Wikipedia page for for Ordinary Man, I'm looking at it, dude. And you look at personnel, the amount of people that played on this record, the credits look like the end of The Avengers. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's like hundreds of people played on. On your game. left. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's like an end of a Pixar film. It's like it's like everybody in the world. Hey, yeah, like every song has different personalities. Dude, you're lucky. You're lucky. This this record didn't have like a post credit song. Hey, it's a lot. Duff McKagan plays on a lot of it. it, it it's a Chad great Smith, solo, too. but like I, I don't know who. who Andrew Watt. Who's the guitar player? The good Andrew, Andrew Watt. Watt. Yeah. He's the guy who wrote and produced it. Yes. Oh. He's okay. primarily like, a record sounds producer. Like he sucks. Okay. I, you know, he he's he does a lot of pop shit. Like he's done Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber, Miley, uh, Post Malone, Five Cam- Seconds of Summer, Camila Cabello. Oh. Yeah. Shots in the dark. dark. 
here's the closer right Thanks now. To John. Of our long, John. long session here. Dude, this is such a weird song, and it's an even weirder song. video. This is this is. I love weird. this song. I love the video. Like, you know, they, these were the years where we finally got our wheels and we were able to escape our podunk town. And, you know, we would drive down to Los Angeles and go onto the Sunset Strip as teenagers. And, like, this was the shit. And, like, where the video takes place, you know, right there in the, the Tower Records parking lot in Sunset yeah. and the yeah, billboard with the glowing eyes on the girl from the cover. Yeah, dude. First time we got to see him, like, I forever will love Shot in the Dark. Yeah, dude. It's, it, the, the, again, like, and this is, like, Pure oh, fucking every... pop magic. Dude, I remember the, the dude across the street was like, who's the chick on the cover? I'm like, dude, that's that's a drawing. <laughs> and he's like, but then you saw the video. She was real. Like, yeah. Because yeah. she was yeah. also thinking that she was the girl on the cover. Yeah. But that was that was part of the whole video's Dude, goodbye. this this video was something else, man. Oh shit! Oh, and then the whole tour too with like Ozzy. This was like the Diary of a Mad Housewife. Right. Where, yeah, we're like the, the one thing I remember, like, like a in like a house coat, right? Yeah, Basically like like, like a, a sequined robe, like yeah. kind of like a uh, moo moo. More, but more I remember like seeing the video for this, and a you shift. know when it does when it goes from the narrative into the live stuff, and it has the giant bat sort of you know wrapped around Ozzy descending from the ceiling to drop him down. In the video, it looks like that thing might be two to three stories high. And then we went to see it live, and the bat was only slightly bigger than Ozzy. Like, like, it was a it was a, a, a trite bit disappointing. Yeah, we got a little spinal tap when we got to the uh, to the actual yeah. show. But but again, that that was that was the legendary show that we saw at the Cow Palace. Metallica opened for Ozzy and then yeah this was Ozzy on the Ultimate Sin Tour that was probably like Dude, our, this, our second this... major concert John together it's like it was yeah that was fucking, awesome the bridge on this song is not good what's that the bridge on this song it's not good yeah, it's, it's not happening there's no bridge the, the... It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not there but, again like that the, the person who's also credited on this song uh, as probably the chief songwriter, Phil Susan, awesome fucking bass player uh, for this band, with also included Jakey Lee. He definitely, and, definitely looks uh, like Eddie Izzard, uh, who's now song. in Last in Line. Last in Line, absolutely, yeah. And uh, you know, and we, we we saw him play at the at Last in Line at the, the Penn State, where Colin just was to see the. Sonic Slam. Again, like a great place to see a show. Indeed. Who's on guitar? Is that Jake? Yep. Jake. That's Jake. That stupid SG. And after this, he'd leave to go do Badlands, which is also very strong. Very strong. Yeah. Oh, Badlands. Oh, shit. Yeah. We could, we could do it. Agree to disagree. Oh, dude, Badlands is great. Oh, such good yeah, stuff. Disagree. That lady's hair, man. Nah. Well, the, again, like you have to just, just. I feel like I need to own a coat like Jakey e. Lee's wearing, though. <laughs> yeah, he like, rocks it in that video, doesn't he? Looks yeah, kicking, but kicking he's, also, he's always wearing yeah. chucks, though. Too, he's always wearing chucks. 
Yeah, See, I can't that song didn't these, feel long. Bad, no, it doesn't. That's pretty bad. Feet. <laughs> that's so that's it. There's our there's our twelve. That's a lot of good songs, man. There was there was a couple Here. of clunkers. I got to admit, but like two. There's a that, reason that Ozzy is Ozzy. You know what I mean? It's no accident that the guy's been popular for like half a century. Yeah. Yeah, it's here's the thing. Like this is this is my beef. And my beef is not with Ozzy. My beef is with the fan base and the critic base who okay. say he didn't write this, he didn't do that. You know what? I worked with a guy who had a doctor degree from Columbia. And people would be like that guy is an idiot. I'm like, "You know what? <laughs> they smoke you funny. You, you don't get to be an idiot getting a doctor degree from Columbia." And I'm like, "You don't get to be nobody having sang for black sabbath put out like a buttload of records as a solo artist and being one of the most famous and well-known metal singers of all time it doesn't matter if he wrote like every lyric or half the lyrics or none of the lyrics you he, he comes on a track and you're like oh that's ozzy yeah you see him that's ozzy you hear his freaking voice that's ozzy somebody says ozzy and people go i know who that is my mother knows who freaking ozzy is right you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You don't get to be nobody with no talent and everybody freaking knows who you are. Yeah. That's just not the way it works. I agree. Like, that's sour grapes, dude. And I hate when I hear people are like, oh, you didn't write the lyrics for that show. I'm like, you know well, what? Neither did I. And, and again, if, it, if this is sort of like a retort, as it were, I, I, all I wanted to do in my commentary was just sort of like say like, there are other members of the band who play the music, who write songs, as they always did in Black Sabbath, too. Uh, and Geezer Butler like wrote basically like 100% of like all the lyrics in Black Sabbath. Ozzy was the singer. Ozzy didn't, you know, he contributed maybe some lyrics here and there and stuff, you know, which is like, you know, everybody plays their part, just like like any other sort of like partnership or any other corporation. It's like. And there's there's no less love for Ozzy as a person, as a performer, as a personality. For fuck's sake, you know he's. He, yeah. I mean, look at Vince Neil. you know, yeah. Again, like just so you so you just you just kind of like this is their contribution, you know. And what Ozzy, you know, has, has, has turned into with with his his wife manager Sharon is like turned into a corporation. I think is has done a great deal to sort of like uh, extend the whole sort of uh, the lifeblood of, uh, of metal culture in a way that wouldn't have otherwise been possible in, in, in so many ways. So, yeah. Yeah, is Ozzy yeah. like, you know, he, 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 is not, he is capable of great moments of great art. Um, so, but yeah, we, we all he doesn't are. play I think, guitar. I think the message we take away from this, Michael, is that we all I mean, all, there's nowhere to go after that. We're all angels. Who's, you know, who's pulling the <laughs> that, that being said, thank you Somebody again flush. for listening. <laughs> Please follow us on the Twitter, which is uh, at M-A-M-H-Pod. Follow us on Instagram, yeah. at Metal Podcast. Join us on Facebook, where we have fun quizzes and... Uh, photos for you to comment upon just, just fun every day and lastly i'm, I'm gonna Dick i'm gonna fix. bring the show down for a minute let, uh, let me get real with y'all if you like what we do take a second this week hop over to itunes leave us a review 
pop over to Spotify, give us a review, and it helps bump the show up in the algorithms so we can inflict this on others. Don't be alone. Help us. Uh, we got listeners in Australia. We do indeed. I, oh, I'm sure Tony's left a, a Tony, review. Tony. Like Tony, hey, tell, Tony. tell the rest Tony of is eight percent of our listeners are in Australia. Yeah. Anyway, we got thank you again for listening. India. We, we in Canada. We'll see you next week. Yeah, maybe.